0: Today's guest on the podcast is Kate Northrup. She's the author of the new book, Do Less, a revolutionary approach to time and energy management for busy moms. We talk about everything from money to numbing behaviors to business, multitasking, simplicity, and energy vampires. (laughs) We covered the gamut in about a 40-minute interview, and it was so much fun. I look forward to Kate's book, and you guys have got to – listen to this episode because there's something in it for everyone hope you enjoy the show
1: welcome to the same 24 hours podcast with meredith atwood we all have the same 24 hours each day and it's what we do with those hours that makes all the difference between our health happiness and success
0: Welcome to another episode of the Same 24 Hours Podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Atwood. Today's guest is Kate Northrop. Hi, Kate. Hi. How are you?
1: I'm great, thank you. How are you? I'm
0: good. I'm good. So I first heard about you with your first book, Money, A Love Story, because, well, who doesn't like to talk about debt? <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I wrote a book that came out um, in 2013 called "Money: A Love Story," uncovering your or what is it, untangling your financial woes. <laughs> That's when you
0: know you're working on and
1: a new book. I don't know. I don't know. Actually, know what the subtitle of that book is. Um, but <laughs> I do know that I what what's been fascinating is to realize that the way we relate to money is very much connected to the way we relate to time. And those two things are very much connected with our sense of worth because many, many people, myself included, are trying to prove their worth through. Um, their finances, but then also through productivity. And so over the last several years, um, since my last book came out, I got married, I had two kids, um, life changed pretty dramatically. And for anybody listening who has children, you'll know that having a kid Really crystallizes your priorities super fast, and for me, it changed my relationship to time profoundly because suddenly I had so much less time to myself, and I had to be really, really um, ruthless about my boundaries and get super, super focused. Yeah. And what I realized is, I was during my pregnancy, I got super tired, and uh, during my first pregnancy, and and worked about half the amount. I had worked up until that point. And then during the first year of motherhood, we Penelope, our daughter, had some health challenges. And it was it was just a very difficult year. And we had only about 10 hours of childcare a week. And so I had to figure out how can I work significantly less but still get the same results because I didn't have anybody to pay for maternity leave and mm-hmm. – you know, my husband and I are entrepreneurs, so it wasn't like... <laughs> God, it doesn't come with maternity leave. Yeah, it doesn't come... Our business didn't come with maternity leave. And also, it wasn't like anybody... I don't... Like, there's just... I don't have a trust fund. It There wasn't... There just... <laughs> like, you know, we had to make it work. Right. Um And so what ended up happening is I was able to... I did get really focused and I did get really clear on what the essentials were. And I stopped doing a lot of things. And I, and I really kind of like cut down on a lot of relationships and massively simplified. And what I found was not only was I able to be present with my kids, but also our business remained steady and then ended up growing. And more importantly, I was happier, and my work got better. And I really felt like I found the work that I was here to do. Um, I'm incredibly proud of of the work I've done around money, and it intertwines quite a bit with what I'm doing now. But I will say that the work I'm doing now around time and um, supporting women in managing their time and energy is really what I what I'm here to do.
0: And it's such important work. I mean, as a mom of two kids who are 14 months apart, you cannot be warned about what is coming. No one, no, no one would have children and you would never believe what a giant time commitment it is. I mean, every day we wake up and it's like an hour and a half is gone before you've accomplished anything. If you're just trying to get kids out the door to go to school, it's amazing. So I think what you're doing is super important. So thank you for that. I said something very interesting. About how you learn to cut
1: down on relationships. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah. One of the things that I notice in myself, but also with, I I have a community called Origin, which has nearly a thousand female entrepreneurs. Um, What I find when I work with women is that it's not so much that they don't have time to do the things they want to do, it's that they're letting their time and energy be sucked up by things that, are draining. And one of those things is relationships. So, you know, we are typically as women caregivers, right? We've been, a lot of us have been raised to to be people pleasers and to take care of other people. And so it can feel like really terrifying to set boundaries and, um and cut back on the relationships that just really aren't serving you. But you know, you really have to look at okay, after I spend time with this person, do I feel energized? Or do I feel drained? Right. And if you feel drained and then you don't even have to have a good reason for it, just like now Sometimes some of these relationships are in your family, <laughs> so you can't do anything about it. <laughs> but Sometimes these people just breathe and you're like, oh, yeah, my energy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And yeah. so, you know, going through birth and motherhood and, and we had a very challenging year in our family last year as well with the birth of my second child. And then my husband um, got really sick. He's doing much better now, but uh, it became so obviously, so clear, like who my real people are and who they aren't. And I went as far as, I mean, I felt like I was, I was like 12. I took a piece of paper in the back of my notebook and I wrote a list of my real friends. (laughs) And I was like, these are my people and that's it. And these are the people who get my energy and my attention because they give back just as much. And anybody who's not on that list, it doesn't mean I'm not always open to new relationships because I freaking love people and I'm always open to new relationships. But it was really important for me to dial back my energy and devote it completely to a few good people as opposed to dispersing it across all these relationships, some of which I realized were draining.
0: And that's really hard being in the position you're in because you are constantly giving and you have all these relationships. But I went through a very similar thing probably around the time you did. And I didn't write who my real friends were. I wrote who my real friends weren't. Okay. (laughs) I wrote a list of people that did what you said, drained me. And I I couldn't, you know, social media, I actually have a whole chapter in my book coming up up in the fall about people pleasing, because I was people pleasing these people I didn't even like, like I was, I wanted them to like me so much. And I didn't even like them. And social media was a big catapult that was making me nuts, because I would scroll, I would see them, I would get mad. And, and so one day, I just blocked at all like anyone that was on that list I didn't like
1: or I thought was draining me I just I don't see them anymore that's great and, and just for those it does change everything. And for those listening, if there are people that you would like to not see on social media, you can mute their accounts and they will still see that you follow them so that you don't have to deal with a backlash of unfollowing. And if they see that and blah, blah, blah. you can be like my mom and she just blocks people.
0: I'm like, mom, you
1: don't have to block people. She's like, I don't care. block, block. That's block. so funny. She just will block people. She doesn't care. I will He's block hilarious. people on my public page if right. they are nasty. But she didn't but,
0: even I don't think she realizes <laughs> it's just a hard block. She's like, "I don't care." I don't want to. <laughs> okay,
1: she's mom. good at boundaries, maybe.
0: It's it's like she turned a certain age and she got really good
1: at it. So I'm going to Yeah. It that that okay. actually is true. I do think that as we get older, we we just care less what other people think and I think that's such a gift.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, let's talk a little bit more about this energy thing um
1: and people depleting it. Um so cutting out people, what what else? What else? Well, so as women, it's really important to know that um we cycle on a 28-day-ish cycle, whereas men hormonally cycle every 24 hours.
0: Really? So,
1: yes. That's so terrifying. It is no secret why all the time management systems and everything that's set up for every day to be the same as the day before generally doesn't work for women because they were all set up for men because we live in a patriarchy. And so for women to know this, it's so critical. We are cyclical beings. And Every day is not supposed to be the day the same as the day before, nor is it supposed to be more productive than the day before. We're really caught on this endless linear path of constant improvement. And no wonder we're exhausted.
0: You just blew my mind, by the way. (laughs) I'm sitting here with my mouth open because I have been trying to crack this code. Like, why yesterday did I accomplish 72 hours in four and then to... That just makes so much sense. Why did it never occur to me?
1: Well, you know, it's it didn't occur to me really particularly until um, my friend Elisa Vitti, who wrote Woman Code, told me that. And my mind was also completely blown. And then I went on to really look at how that wor- worked in my life and then also in the lives of the entrepreneurs that we work with. And here's what I found. Every woman, whether you have a menstrual cycle or not, by the way, this applies to you. So... Mm-hmm. We have these four particular phases of the month and each of the phases is really a critical ingredient for our creative power. So we only learn in sex ed, right, about having your period. That's only one out of four phases in the cycle. But the, the, and by the way, for those who don't cycle I like to follow the lunar calendar because it mimics this perfectly. And I don't think you need to be a woo-woo person. I just think it's an external structure that will remind you of your biology. Okay. <laughs> so oh, woo-woo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a little bit woo-woo, but I'm just saying if you're listening <laughs> it's okay. and there's actually really interesting data that shows us that as as humans, we are actually affected by the moon. There are, there's an increase in accidents at the full moon. There's an increase in, um, emergency room visits, um, all kinds of things. So crazy vampires, all of them come out. (laughs) Totally. Oh my gosh. Yes, totally. But so there's these four key phases. And, and so, um, the Follicular phase is the phase after your period. It's the same thing as the waxing moon. It's the energy of springtime. So it's that new beginning energy, um, that fresh start energy. Then the next phase is ovulation. It's the same energy as the full moon. It's like the summertime, that high visibility, peak fertility, like open to receptivity, really great communication, just like out there energy. Then there's the luteal phase which is the same energy as autumn and the same energy as the waning moon. And that's the time to cross your T's and dot your I's and wrap things up and bring things, bring whatever project you're working on or whatever phase of the project you're working on to completion. And then the next phase is would be the menstrual phase, or the same as the new moon, or the same energy as the winter time, and that's the place for pause, for reflection, for research, and really for listening within for what's needed and what's next. Or binge and, watching Netflix. Or binge watching Netflix. Absolutely, that would be totally appropriate. And and the problem is that we um, have been taught that our worth is equal to our productivity, so we skip completely the two phases that are more inward, because we think that in order to be a good person and to be a successful person, we have to be out there all the time. But unfortunately, when you're out there all the time, not only do you get sick, eventually your body takes you out. Also, your work suffers because you're just you get burned out and and your your stuff kind of just isn't that good anymore. Your ideas just dry up. This
0: is mind blowing. Have you made a calendar? Have you made a calendar that people can buy? Go (laughs) run and do it.
1: It is in process. It is in process. So inside the book, there actually – and you can get – there's a link um, to get the printable pages. Mm -hmm. So you can print them off the printable planner pages. I call it the the renewable planner system. And I am in process of making it so that you can order that, but at least you can print off the pages. I love
0: it. I love it. It just makes so much sense. It almost like – puts together this huge puzzle for me because since I I left the legal profession I guess going on 2 years and now that I work for myself and I'm writing I've it's just astounding how one day is one way and one week the next you know it, there's just no rhyme or reason
1: but there is rhyme or reason yeah <laughs> it makes total sense yeah no, there's a lot of rhyme or reason. And this is how we're built. There's a blueprint within us that we can just follow for peak productivity, but just no one ever told us because our world has been organized for men. Wow. Okay. So now that we know, now that
0: everyone's mind is blown, women are pulling off on the side of the road while they're listening, (laughs) (laughs) breathing going, Oh my gosh. Um, what, what does this mean for simplifying our lives?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, here's the good news. When you tap into these four phases of uh, creativity and productivity, and you begin to organize your time around them, and you begin to organize your, your projects around them, it becomes instantly clear what you actually have space for and what you don't. Because you won't move from starting something to launching something back to starting something to launching something to starting to launching. And you'll actually build in the time for completion and for rest. And when you do that, you edge out the things that don't serve you. Um, I also really have found, and this has been really awesome to watch that the women we work with, I'm thinking of one in particular who massively simplified her life, um, the year her second child was born, she we'll just call her Sally. Um, she really, through learning about this inner blueprint and also disconnecting from thinking that her worth was solely based on how much she got done, she actually reduced her work week to 20 hours because she realized that the things that she had been chasing – were really very ego driven and she was sort of on as Dr. Shafali uh, Sabari calls it and she wrote the foreword to the book The Race to Nowhere. And this idea that like someday she would get to this achievement level where suddenly she would feel worthy and she she just she just cut out a bunch of projects and and dialed it way back and decided about the kind of mother she wanted to be and organized her schedule around what felt good. And what she was proud of as as being the kind of woman and mother she wanted to be as opposed to the pushing and the keeping up with everyone on social media and the thinking that her list of achievements was going to fulfill her, which, you know, which it, it doesn't. I mean, in, if you haven't figured that out yet… <laughs> um, this is the newsflash. Yeah, yeah, and I talk about uh, Bronnie Ware's book, "The Five Biggest Regrets of the Dying," um, in in the book when she talks about that there are these there are these five. She was a palliative care nurse, and uh, and she decided to write a book on the conversations that she had with her patients and. Um, the the five biggest regrets are, you know, I wish that I had lived my life according to my own desires as opposed to everyone else's expectations. I wish that I had um, let myself feel my emotions more. I wish that I had kept in better touch with the people that I love. Um, really, really beautiful. But none of them were I wish I had achieved more.
0: <laughs> right. Right. So true. Um, I was going to ask you something and it just escaped me, but um, it'll come it, back. It will come back in my next cycle.
1: <laughs> yeah. <exactly.
0: laughs> Let's talk about multitasking and how yeah.
1: like that is like the death of us. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so glad you asked. So yeah, women are, you know, we're celebrated for being such good multitaskers and whatever and it is true there was a study at UPenn that showed that women's brains are are wired to be aware of multiple things at the same time right so we kind of we know when the food needs to come out of the oven which kid is doing what who needs to be picked up when you know that the laundry is about to come out that like we have to send this work email um you know and book the plane tickets like we we are able to be have a a pan focus in a way that men cannot but that is not the same thing as multitasking. And multitasking is actually just switching. So it's moving from one task to another. So let's say I was trying to text you at the same time as do this podcast, which I am not doing, but let's just pretend I thought I could because I thought I was some some amazing multitasker. It actually, uh, multitasking reduces our IQ um, to the degree that we might as well be drunk. And so I would never show up to your podcast, <laughs> drunk. I actually don't even drink, but <laughs> for so many reasons, I would not do that. And yet, we are we are thinking we'll get more done if we do multiple things at the same time. But it's it it will make you more tired. It makes you dumb. It makes you uh, make mistakes, and it will make you so cranky. So I just want to say, rather than multitask do th- do one thing at a time. And if not everything can get done, that's a sign that you're trying to do too much. It's not a sign that there's something wrong with you.
0: Right, right. I Last year at some point, I realized that it was actually probably a year and a half now. I realized that my life was a yard sale. And I call it a yard sale because I had like all this stuff that I was doing for other people and it was super cheap. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I was just giving it away, you know, stuff that used to mean something to me. And it was always it was because I was multitasking and it act, multitasking actually bred yard sale for me. I used to have a singular focus and then I started trying to do a bunch of things at once, you know, caused by social media. And then I found myself with businesses and things that were just a yard sale. I had so many things going on and multitasking birthed that crap for me. It truly did. And learning to dial that back was getting rid of some of the multitasking um, frenzy I had. And I have this terrible frenzy, and I get it from my dad. We call him the tornado because if anything Ray does, it's going to be done at mock speed and really fast, and all the groceries are going to be brought in all at once. And so I. Got it from him, but I realized that rushing was part of this multitasking, and it was this huge mechanism I was using that I
1: didn't want to deal with my wife, <laughs> and that's a lot to unpack there. But oh, my gosh. I'm so glad you brought up that point about rushing to as a numbing behavior. I mean, yeah. it's epidemic. Yes. It, you know, we we drink because we don't want to feel... We smoke because we don't want to feel, we watch TV, we shop, we have sex, and we stay busy. And it's so important to notice that in ourselves to ask, am I doing this because it needs to be done or am I doing this because I have a feeling coming up right now that I don't want to feel?
0: And the biggest thing I can point to with rushing is a numbing behavior was, and mine was habitual. So I used to be a drinker. I'm three years sober.
1: And Congratulations. That's amazing.
0: Thank you. And, and I used to rush the kids to bed so I could drink. Mm. And now... I find myself, come on, we're going to bed, come to bed, a bed, and I'm like, why am I doing this? This is the habitual <laughs> rushing behavior that I used to do because I wanted to drink, because I wanted to numb, and now I have to pull myself out of it. I'm like, what's the big, the big hurry?
1: <laughs> you know, I that's do? such a great question, right? What is the big hurry? We're all just going to die. So <laughs> right? like, why are we rushing this? We're all headed to the exact same place and none of us knows what happens after that. Right. So
0: why not just be here? I mean, I find myself rushing through the simplest of tasks. I mean, just stupid. And then I'll knock over, you know, whatever. And then I'm
1: mad and it is crazy. What it is, is true. Point? You know, I will uh, rushing actually is, um, makes things take more time because we do make mistakes, we forget things, we make errors, and then we have to go, you know, clean up the thing we spilled or go back to the task and redo it because we were rushing. And um, and it's this is a lifelong practice for me. I love to go fast. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm right there with you and and I do believe we teach what we need to learn. I've gotten so, so, so much better. Um, but it's I it really I believe it for me it's a spiritual practice to be intentional yes. with my time time yes. to slow down and be focused on what it is that I'm doing or that who is it is so who I'm with.
0: A spiritual practice. I love that. It is to slow it down is spiritual. Like this morning I had to take my son to school. We had 4 minutes to get there. It's a 3 minute ride. He's a turtle riding a sloth. Like that is the speed <laughs> <I've> of <come>. him. <laughs> and so I'm like get your jacket on and I'm trying to be calm because I really am focusing. <laughs> on this slowing down. And I watch him get his plate <laughs> and walk over to the sink. And instead of thinking, we're never going to get there. We're going to be late. I just looked at the back of his head and I thought that is the sweetest back of any Aww. voice that I've ever seen. He's going to be a teenager soon. Just enjoy this moment. Yeah. I did. And it made me love him so, so much. Right. I mean, not that I don't love him, but in that moment I had so much joy being his mother It doesn't even sound like me saying this. If my mom's listening, she's like, who is this? Who has kidnapped my child? Because it's just not who I've been. But it's
1: because I've made a point to slow down. Yes. And it really, really works. It makes you enjoy your life so much. And that's what it's all about. Like, there's, you know, listen, I get that you have to pay the bills. Like I get that. I have to pay the bills as well. And so I am not saying that we can just sit around and like eat bonbons on the couch and binge on Netflix during the day and re- like I get it. I get it that you have to go to work and pay the mortgage and all of it. And at the same time the idea here is to infuse the time that you are spending on doing the things you need to do with the energy of presence. So can you walk to your office door just a tiny bit slower? Can you notice on the way to work, like the trees or the way the sunshine is, or just like you said, getting your kid out the door to school, can you notice the back of his head and just take that minute? That's not going to make you late to school. Right. It's literally zero seconds because he it's was going zero. Zero seconds
0: speed a turtle. It didn't matter. He was exactly that speed anyway. Yeah. And it's interesting you say, um, yeah, we have to make a living. And there's a there's this recent aversion to what I call the concept of hustle. And I am a firm
1: believer in the school of hustle, but there's a time and a place for yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you said that because, you know, I'll talk to I've been in business uh, for myself for a really long time now <laughs> um, but, but essentially twelve years, twelve to fourteen years. and um, and there are times like during a big promotion or you know, right now, in the lead up to my book launch, I am doing more than I usually do, and right. because there is a season for it, and I am in that season. but I have scheduled in for after the book launch the season for doing. Less and so it's not about no hustle ever. It's about scheduling it appropriately and not always having your foot on the gas. Because if you right. always have your foot on the gas, you, you run out of gas. Right? <laughs> so we have to we have to really stop to refuel. And um and I'm really glad you brought that up because a lot of new entrepreneurs or people you know people starting out will will think like oh well you know, this person said that it should be easy and it should feel easy and I should be able to get to six figures, you know, within my first six months and, and not hustle. And it's like, no, you have to be still hungry. And right. there are things, yes, it's, I'm about doing less, but you still have to do things.
0: Right. I'm so <laughs> mad at the people that are trying to sell me. I went to a conference of hungry writers, like three years ago, a um, bunch of people that wanted to write books and get their stuff published. And someone who was very successful Longtime blogger stood up there and told us to ditch the hustle and I got so mad like I was fuming because I know for a fact that that woman hustled her ass off for 10 years and now she can take you know
1: now she can right you have to know your audience yes (laughs) yes because right like I could speak now as a business owner who's been in business for 12 years I could speak to a room of seasoned business owners and have a very different conversation than a bunch of people who are brand
0: right right and so speaking of young writers what do you tell people that say oh I want to write a book but I could never
1: oh I think you can. absolutely can <laughs> it really like all, all it takes is logging hours in your chair you just, <laughs> just sit there you know I wrote um this book while I was pregnant with my second Um, and you know, there's, there's nothing like a pregnancy and an impending baby to make you just show up and do something. (laughs) Um, so what I would do is I would, uh, schedule, I scheduled an hour every single day to show up at my computer. Um, I did it at noon or about like one, because that's when my oldest would take a nap and I did it seven days a week and the book got written because I showed up every single day day. And I counted my words every day, because I had a goal of how many words I needed to submit. And I just added them up. And I just got the words done. So, you know, everybody's going to need help with their book. I don't recommend just writing it and then publishing it without having anyone else read it. Every, people need <laughs> people, people need that. editing, right? Like I need editing. We all need editing. Um, and a lot of, I will say, I, I, you know, I'm a huge, I love, I think self-publishing is a beautiful path to take. So if you're thinking about writing a book and you want to self-publish, awesome. But I will say, um, I I've received some self published books that I read and I say um, this needed editing. Right. So unfortunately, the quality can really um, suffer. And so so find that editing, get those early readers, and and be diligent about it. Um, even though you can just write it and put it out there, doesn't mean you should.
0: Right, right. So my first book was um, self-published in 2011, 2012, uh-huh. and it just got acquired, and it's actually out in Congrats. three weeks. But it was so funny, because when my editor got a hold of the manuscript, I was like, oh, I just don't know what we can cut. And she was like, I do all of part two.
1: I was like, what? Yeah. We're all of part two. I know it's yeah. it's so intense. It but you such know a what? Book. You need somebody yeah. else for that. Yeah, I yeah. I submitted my manuscript and and the entire first chapter. She was like, "Yeah. <laughs> nope."
0: <laughs> you know what I think it is about the first chapter? I think <laughs> We're, like, we're going to lead off with mystery and excitement and, like, yeah. depth, and it's just way too dark or
1: something. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, mine was, like, my birth story, and she right. was just, like, this was really beautiful, but it does not belong in this book. Right. I was, like great. Well, it was really therapeutic to re- to write.
0: <laughs> I'll make it into a blog. I have yes. all these cut sections that are going to go into later blogs.
1: Oh, that's perfect.
0: It's <laughs> like, yeah, that's so funny. So I want to talk to you about an Instagram post you posted, um, which just hit me. And I was like, yes, yes. What we're not up on, we tend to be down on. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know.
1: Who said that? My mother thinks this is from Linus Pauling. Um, I do not know. The internet does not think so. Okay. <laughs> the internet doesn't know who it's Kate's
0: by. Kate's mother is Dr. Christian Northrup. I forget what episode. I interviewed her and I, it just occurred to me today that they were related. So I'm, I clearly was multitasking when I booked you, Kate, <laughs> because I was dumb. Gosh. <laughs> I mean, your last name's not
1: like Smith or something. <laughs> could well, technically my last name is Watts, but I use my, you know, I started a business as Northrup, so I just right. keep it. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But aside from we don't know who said that quote, yeah. what does that quote mean to you? What we're not up on, we tend to be down on
1: it, you know it's really a quote about ignorance and our and our resistance to move outside of our frame of reference and so I think especially in the in this particular moment in history, it is so critical that we listen to other perspectives and that we learn from other people that we wouldn't usually learn from because when we don't actually know about something we'll bash it it's human t- it's human nature and It's a major, major problem with what's going on in our world today, politically and socially and economically, and we need to open our hearts and open our minds and talk to people we wouldn't usually talk to, you know, um, talk to people who think differently about politics than you, talk to people with different backgrounds, different skin colors. Um, It's just, it's critical because... We can make up – I mean, it's it's a quote about prejudice. We can make up so many things about how things are, but we've not taken the time to educate ourselves and to actually learn, um, and and it's really time that we do that.
0: So your book coming out <laughs> April 2nd, is that right?
1: April 2nd. At least they didn't make it April Fool's Day. You know, they do that to some people. <laughs> they, no, I know. Well, you, do you know books always launch on a Tuesday? No. Yeah. In the publishing world, I don't know why. It's just sort of this thing that all books launch on a Tuesday. And so um, luckily in 2019, April April 1st is not a Tuesday. (laughs) No. And my book is coming out March 12th. It's a Tuesday. Oh, yeah. It's always a Tuesday. Wow. It's a a publishing tradition.
0: Huh. See, I learned something every day. (laughs) So this book, we've talked, we kind of circled all the themes. But
1: what is it? What is it do less? So do less the subtitle is a revolutionary approach to time and energy management for busy moms so do less is uh, separated into two parts the first part really gives you the foundation I particularly love um, the first chapter where I really get into the data on doing the one that less survived, which is the original chapter two <laughs> what what was that oh yeah that one's yeah exactly <laughs> Originally, now I think it's Chapter One, and it's about the data that proves that doing less actually can get us better results. And then I talk, then the I talk about um, cyclical living and how we can get into momentum by tapping into our cyclical nature and our bodies um, as a productivity tool because we are we are made of nature. And this wonderful quote says, "Nature never rushes, yet everything gets done." And that's a quote from Lao Tzu. <laughs> so it. it's really giving giving our, ourselves the foundation for that. And then the second half of the book is 14 do less experiments. So it's not about overhauling your entire life. It's not like a giant makeover. It's about little things that are leverage points for you to shift so that you can do less yet have more. And it's it's 14 little things to try. So the book is incredibly actionable, Um, it's also evidence-based, and it's also really a spiritual guide. So it's all of those in one.
0: Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. This is the kind of thing that I could have really, really used as a new mom, but almost kind of turning into the teenage years. I think it's so much more important to be present. I I think there's, that's what I've heard. Yeah. Like all this emphasis on being present with your young kids, but I think it might, I feel this overwhelming sense of, I really need to be paying attention now that I've got
1: tweens. You know what? Actually the data supports that. So I talk about this in the final chapter of the book, um, Which is called "Let It Be Enough," where the data shows that the amount of time we believe it or not, the amount of time we spend with our children um, in the younger years does not impact their behavior or overall well-being. (laughs) However, uh, I know, shocking. Like, I mean, you can of course read the fine print in the data. Obviously, we still got to be with our kids, and and of course, like I love being with my kids. However. What what shifts is that during the teen years, during adolescence, the amount of time a mother spends with her children and, and sort of the quality of the time actually does significantly decrease uh, behavioral issues. Wow. Yeah. Not to put pressure. Like, I'm sure you're yeah. – those listening, you're already doing enough, but um, – I just wanted to say that the data does support what you're already sensing.
0: Well, and I think just with what I've noticed with my children is they they don't care how much time you're spending. They just care when they come to ask you a question that you turn and look at them and give them your attention. I realized I never did that. I was just sitting at my computer and they would come and I would not turn and look at them or, you know, I would just keep doing. It was this multitasking thing. And now I will put down what, you know, not always, I, I may say, give me 30 seconds, but yeah. I say, give me 30 seconds so I can give you my full attention, you know, yes. and then to turn to them. That has changed my relationship with my children just exponentially. Mm. That's what everyone wants. Like if you just, yes. and, and it's, you mentioned Dr. Shefali. Um, I had her on the podcast in the beginning and she changed my life. Like she's changed so many people because she says these are individual souls. These are Real people, not just kids that are, you're made that are made to be in your image. They're they have their own divine spirits and beings. And yeah. to me, I was like, "What, really?" <laughs> like, and and that seems so stupid. But when I started using my light, or kind of acting you know being a mother with that as my compass it changed everything because Mm. you're like well if this is a divine being then they want your attention they want to be respected and you know to just kind of shove them off because you're on the computer um yeah it it really changed everything for me
1: that's awesome she's she does beautiful work i love her so neat
0: yeah. Well, Kate, thank you so much. I have one more question. This podcast is called The Same 24 Hours, and it means that we all have the same 24 hours in our day, but it's what we do during those hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. So what is one thing that you do on a daily basis
1: that makes a difference in your life? Hmm. You know, back on the theme of presence, it's really... Like, even if it's for five minutes sitting, being with my kids on the floor and just like really actually being there Mm. without doing anything else.
0: Yeah, I love it. Well, look, we will look for your book on the Tuesday in April. (laughs) Do Less, A Revolutionary Approach to Time and Energy Management for Busy Moms. So thank you so much, Kate.
1: Thank you.